three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports Park Chicago. My name's John Zaglou, and great to have you here. On today's edition of the program, Justin Fields is mad at Matt Nagy, who isn't. We'll explain in just a moment. Plus, a brand new interview today with Rob Body, the national NFL writer at the AP. We talk with him extensively about the NFL offseason, Bears football, and so much more. It's a great interview. Comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook. John's a glue. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportsTalkChicago.com. I want to start today with this. Everybody has a problem with Matt Nagy. <laughs> it's true, right? Everybody. Fans, media now, all of a sudden. Quarterbacks, Justin Fields, Mitch Trubinsky, Nick Foles even. Players, Jordan Howard, Anthony Miller, Alvin Robinson. We could go on and on and on about how many people have come out and expressed their displeasure with Matt Nagy, and yet, as we sit here today, is another job, another team may even take over, according to some reports, for Andy Reid when he retires. I don't know what makes him qualified to take over for Andy Reid or what makes him qualified to even have another job on the table, but nevertheless, he's there. And that's the reality we have to live with. And I hate bringing this up all the time about Matt Nagy and these reports that come out, but nobody else will, frankly. Everyone's so worried about the Bears, new direction, free agents, draft picks, and I get it, and I'm worried about it too, but you know what? Nobody held Matt Nagy accountable while he was here in Chicago. That's a fact. All these reports come out after he gets fired, then there's this big athletic report. Give me a break. This has been known, but not publicized, for about two or three years. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody cares about it because they didn't want to disrupt the narrative that was being painted about the Bears, about Mitch Trubinsky, about Matt Nagy. Now, to remember, a lot of this stuff was kept quiet, so if Nagy got fired, he could find another job. But everybody inside league circles knew. Writers knew. The press knew. Bears front office knew. And Matt Nagy certainly knew. It's just so funny the amount of people that covered for him and tried to save his career, to me, is ridiculous. And that's an indictment on everybody around the Bears, whether it be media, whether it be front office, whether it be some players to an extent. The amount in which they covered for him and made the media paint this picture of an offensive genius, offensive guru, is ridiculous. 
It's wrong. Factually wrong. A false narrative was painted about Daggett. Made him look like this great offensive mind, but in reality, he tanked people's careers. And we know this. This is not news to anybody. But now we have new reports from Justin Fields' private quarterbacks coach saying that Fields was not happy with how Nagy coached him. Here's a quote from Pro Football Talk. Ron Veal, a private quarterback coach who has worked with Fields since Fields was in sixth grade, said that Fields hated the game plan the Bears had installed for him for his first start, the 26-6 loss to the Browns. Quote, it was bad, Veal said. He took a beating that day. It's kind of crazy and weird at the same time. I know he was a little pissed about it, but I didn't get an explanation. And I really didn't ask because I know he was in a situation where he was really pissed off about it. Interesting. So Fields was pissed at Matt Nagy for throwing him to the wolves. You know, this is actually pretty funny. Everybody said, put in Fields right away, put him in right away. Right, we all talked about this last year. This was the big story here in Chicago. I was criticized for saying he should wait. He should sit, learn the offense, and most importantly, not be thrown into a situation where there's nobody there to protect him. And of course, I was laughed at. You don't like Justin Fields. You're a Fields hater. You want Andy Dalton to succeed. Why would I want some one-year backup quarterback, bridge quarterback to succeed? I don't care about that. I want the Bears to have a franchise quarterback, so those explanations were wrong, plainly. I wanted Justin Fields to have the best opportunity to succeed. That's all I wanted. I wanted Justin Fields to have a competent team around him so he wouldn't get scarred, so his ego wouldn't collapse. His confidence, his self-esteem as a quarterback in the NFL. You know how it is. Look at your jobs. Look at what you do. I'm sure sometimes you make a mistake and you think to yourself, hey, am I cut out for this? Am I good at this? Well, imagine being a rookie. Imagine being at your job week one, week two, and you're thrown into the fire. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to think, I'm not cut out for this. I need to go. What about Justin Fields? First ever start as an NFL quarterback, and that's the reception he gets, getting sacked nine times and Matt Nagy pulling what looked to be a joke of a game plan. He was brought in, Nagy, to develop a quarterback, and he failed with Trubisky. You could blame it on his skill set, blame it on limitations, blame it on Ryan Pace, but the fact is Matt Nagy came in knowing his job was to develop Mitch Trubisky didn't work. They gave him another chance with another highly touted rookie quarterback. Didn't work there, too. Just goes to show Matt Nagy is not who he says he is. Not who the media says he is, either. We have proof here. You know, I thought as a coach, your goal was to help out your players, not put them in situations where they're going to get hurt. It's like a dad and his kid, right? The dad's never going to put his kid in a situation where he just knows he's going to be hurt. The dad will look out for his kid, no matter what. I had coaches myself tell me, you guys are like my kids. We're talking about Little League ball, baseball, even college ball. Same thing. You'd have to think in the NFL, no matter what, these coaches want to look out for their players, for their 53 players on their roster. Nobody did for Justin Fields. Nobody looked out for him. Fans thought they were looking out for him by saying, oh, put him in over Andy Dalton. But in reality, Andy Dalton should have been the one in that game getting sacked nine times, not Justin Fields. 
we can all agree on that. A lot of people were wrong when it came to rushing Justin Fields. Just admit it, you were wrong. The Bears should have waited to put him in, and they didn't. And now look what we see. Well, he took a beating that day. It was kind of crazy and weird at the same time. I know he was a little pissed about it, but I never got an explanation, and I really didn't ask, because I know he was in a situation where he was really pissed off about it. Hell yeah, I'd be pissed too! Hey, first start, Cleveland Browns, oh, we score six points, the game plan's horrible, and I got sacked nine times. Hell yeah, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I'm going to be livid, not pissed. And I can only imagine what happened after that game behind closed doors that we're never going to find out about. Or maybe we will in five years when the reporters decide to share the information. We all know about Matt Nagy's track record, about what he's done, his accomplishments in the NFL. It's a whole lot of nothing. It's a whole lot of nothing. He wrote Andy Reid's coattails. Came to the Bears, was told, hey, develop this quarterback, didn't work. Blamed it on the quarterback successfully. Then, oh, develop a new quarterback, didn't work there either. Now he's fired, and it turns out he may take over for Andy Reid. I guess failing upward? <laughs> I was always taught life is a meritocracy. That's what I was always taught and raised on. you got to work hard and you got to prove yourself to earn more. To be given that promotion. To be given a new job. got to show it. can't just be handed to you. Or even worse yet, you can't fail and then get something more. If you fail, you get demoted or you get fired. I've rarely seen somebody fail and just keep going up. Keep stepping up the ladder after failing here, failing there, failing with this quarterback, with that quarterback. But yet, Matt Nagy is a living testament to that strategy, I guess. And I don't blame Justin Fields, by the way, either, at all. This is something we clearly agree on, me and him and everybody else watching. We know this. Everybody knows this. I was pissed. I was pissed watching that game. Not only because of Fields' lack of performance, but most importantly, because there was no game plan for him. None. There was no movement of the pocket. There was no utilizing his legs. It was pocket passing for a quarterback, which you know can run the football. And he got killed because he couldn't leave the pocket, which meant he got sacked. That game plan would have been perfect for Andy Dalton. Why wasn't he out there taking nine sacks? How did it have to be Justin Fields a rookie in his first game in the NFL? Never got an explanation. Never will, either. Even Fields' coach. Never got an explanation. He said it. I know he was a little pissed, but I didn't get an explanation. Yes, he didn't get one. Nobody did. Just happened. Talk about a great way to protect your young rookie quarterback whom you traded up for, whom you gave up a first-round pick in this year's draft to get. Got to talk about protecting assets here. Remember, every player you have on a team is an asset. Not just a player, not just a name. It's an asset. Commodity could be traded, could be used to help out your team win. The Bears should have protected him better in that game and all year, really. He took way too many sacks, Justin Fields. What I hate, too, is the narrative that it was all on him. No, it wasn't. Sometimes he had less than a second to throw the football. There was just an edge blitz, and right away he was taken down. Not his fault. Article concludes, end quote, In a tough rookie season, Nagy took most of the blame compared to Fields in year two. The Bears badly need Fields to be able to thrive in this new offense. Okay. 
where was this thought process before Justin Fields? Not existent. To Matt Nagy's credit, I'll give him credit, he successfully deflected blame of Mitch Trubisky to Chuck Pagano. Allen Robinson this past year. To his credit, he successfully deflected blame to other people who either got fired or were forced to move on because of him. But now, see, when you draft a brand-new quarterback who's supposed to be great, 11th overall pick, now there's a problem. Where was this problem two or three years ago? Why did it have to be till now? I'm happy we saw it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just wondering why now it's a problem and it wasn't before. And those aren't answers we'll probably ever get. Or really, the truth is, Nagy did a good job at controlling the media, controlling the coverage surrounding him. That's all that goes into it. He controlled the media. He controlled what kind of narrative was concocted and posted. And it worked to his benefit. And it helped him out finding another job and staying in the NFL. And that's fine. I get it. You want to look out for yourself. But you know what? It's a problem when you're looking out for yourself and you take down other people in your path. That's where I draw the line. There's nothing wrong with looking out for yourself, looking out for your family. I got no problem with that. But looking out for yourself, coinciding with other people losing jobs, losing money, losing opportunities, having their name slandered across the press, well, then we have a problem. And Matt Nagy did that to a number of people and players within the Bears organization for years. Not even just Mitch Trubisky. Again, Chuck Pagano, Alan Robinson, Harry Heastan, offensive line coach, one of the best in football, fired. What did he have to do with that? I was back at Notre Dame, rightfully so. I don't blame Justin Fields, and I'm happy this was reported on. He should be pissed. He should be pissed off with the Bears' game plan in his first start, and in every start thereafter, not just the first one. There was no support for him. Gets me so passionate because the Bears claimed, they touted, we drafted somebody, we drafted a quarterback, we traded up, he's going to be the guy. You can't tell me he's going to be the guy and then have no way to help him out. I would take that personally. It's all PR, it's all a scam, really. They know what they're doing. They engage the fan base. They post up on social media, get everybody riled up. There was no reason to last year. There was no reason for Justin Fields to play at all. I'm being serious. Look at those numbers. I think Fields would have benefited more from not playing than dealing with that. And you knew the coach was going to be fired. Now he has to learn a new offense all over again. It's a wash. It's a fresh start. Why even play him and subject him to that misery, subject him to injuries, subject him to the problems that he had to face? I know we can't change the past, and that's fine. I'm not saying that everybody was wrong or come bow down because I was right. That's not the issue. But the problem is, Justin Fields has every right to be pissed. Bears fans do, too. And he was used incorrectly last year. Yes. And it's just a shame. It's a shame. The Bears traded up. This guy was hyped up, and now look what happened to him. I'm not saying he can't recover from this, but that's a long way you got to recover. 
from that dysfunctional coach screwing you. Seven touchdowns, 10 picks, 11 fumbles, no offensive line, no weapons. And it may even be like that again this year. The only difference is hopefully you got Luke Getze, who knows a little bit more about the offense. That's it, though. That's scary. There have been a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL who were talented, highly talented, didn't work because of the system, because of a coach, because of a team, breaking them. I really hope that doesn't happen to Justin Fields. And that's concerning. And for the Bears, this is a bad look, this report. Bad look. You know why? They chose Matt Nagy to coach Justin Fields. So they have their franchise quarterback already unhappy. Year two, they're unhappy already. That is scary. That's extremely scary. Your franchise guy whom you tout, whom you throw out there, public relations and social media, he's unhappy. Because you guys screwed him year one. And if I know athletes and how contracts work in the future, Fields will not forget this. Look at the Cubs and Chris Bryant. Bryant left. Why? One of the reasons? The Cubs manipulated his service time. And they screwed him out of a lot of money in 2015. And there were reports that stated, Bryant will never forget this. Scott Boris will never forget this. What about here? Think Justin Fields is happy with how last year played out? No. We have a report that says so, but even just in general. No. Think he's happy with seven touchdowns, 10 picks, 11 fumbles, Matt Nagy coaching him and screwing him and sabotaging him like he did to Mitch Trubisky or Allen Robinson or other players, Anthony Miller? No. And that's the thing that scares me. You're already pissing off your franchise quarterback, your new franchise quarterback, the guy whom everybody likes, everybody adores, whom everybody thinks will be the savior. That is scary. My hope is that Justin Fields could forgive the Bears for what happened last year, but the only way that happens is if this new regime caters to him. No matter what, though, last year was not pretty. Last year is something you can't just forget and move on with. It's going to take some time for Justin Fields. That was damaging what happened to him. So I hope he forgives the Bears. I hope the Bears apologize to him, too. And as for Matt Nagy, did they stay, I don't understand, nor know, nor can explain how he has a job, how he's still allowed to be around NFL players, even college players, high school players, doesn't matter. How is he allowed to be around football after what he did? You're brought in as a supposed quarterback guru and you sabotage Mitchell Trubisky and Justin Fields, and Nick Foles even complained about Matt Nagy. I'm not a fan of Nick Foles, but you know what? He complained too. How are you allowed to keep a job in the National Football League? Has to be connection, obviously. As I said earlier, I was raised to believe in a meritocracy. I was raised to believe if you do good work, you're rewarded. If you do bad work, you're fired. And I guess in Matt Nagy's case, he doesn't fit that mold. He's done bad work. He's hurt players, coaches, personnel, people around him. And today he still has a job. Other guys, like Mitch Grabeski, like Chuck Pagano, 
are still hoping to stay around the game. Are still fighting to clear their name, even. That isn't right to me. So, I would hope that the Bears just find a way to cater to Justin Fields and make sure that this whole saga, at some point, could be forgotten. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Rob Body comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Everton's a glue, and we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's an NFL writer for the Associated Press and the host of Faith on the Field. Please welcome Rob Body to the program. Rob, it's great to have you on. How are you? Hey, great to be with you, John, as always, man. Look forward to these conversations. How have you reacted to this crazy NFL offseason, first off? Well, I, I thought I could have a, a few days off in this offseason coming back <laughs> from the Super Bowl, and it's been nonstop. It's been crazy. One of the wildest um, off-seasons, the, their spending spree has been astronomical for these teams going out there and, and really making major move after major move. We're seeing trades now, John, in the NFL that we haven't seen uh, in years past. Teams didn't often trade star caliber players or franchise quarterbacks and even as recently as swapping draft picks with the Eagles and and the New Orleans Saints a blockbuster uh swap of draft assets it's it's been consistently one of the craziest wildest off seasons and it's fun it really is even though it makes a life busier for an NFL guy like me an NFL writer I wouldn't have it any other way, man. I, I did get to enjoy a little bit of, of spring training of, a few days as um, close enough to the action here now that I'm in Tampa, the Tampa area. But it's all football all the time, and that's how the NFL loves it. Which move surprised you the most are the ones you saw? Oh, man. Uh, Devontae Adams, I think, is the one that really struck me because I, I thought that once the Packers were – once Aaron Rodgers really decided that, hey, I'm going to continue playing, and I thought he would. I didn't think he was going to retire uh, two-time uh, reigning NFL MVP. He's still such a, a talented player, and he's got so much to that, so many more years that I think he can go out there and be an elite top-of-the-line NFL quarterback. But once he decided to come back, and having heard him say, I don't want to be part of a rebuild, that – NFC North and the NFC really is wide open. And I know the Rams are the defending champions, but they're going to go through uh, finding out just how difficult it is to repeat in the NFL. I thought the Packers are going to be all in for this year. And then they go and trade Devontae Adams, who I know there's some contract concerns with him because they certainly didn't think they were going to be able to afford giving him the money that he wanted. But, man, you bring back Aaron Rodgers, you give him a ton of money, and you trade away the number one receiver, maybe um, maybe the number one receiver in all of the NFL. That, to me, that surprised me quite a bit. What kind of a connection do you think they have? Was it more Adams or Rodgers? Like, how do you think they'll do now being separated? Yeah, you know, that's going to be interesting to see. I, I think anytime a guy is as successful as Devontae Adams was, he deserves a lot of credit for his route running ability, um, his playmaking skills, his hands, but also for sure 
Some of that's got to be Aaron Rodgers knowing exactly where to put the ball. Um, some of uh, Aaron Rodgers' abilities as a quarterback helped him become the successful wide receiver that he is. I don't think he's going to uh, go to Vegas and all of a sudden have a significant drop off because I think he's that good. He's that talented. And, and I know that Derek Carr isn't a top five quarterback. I know he's not a top 10 quarterback, but man, I think Derek Carr is a pretty good QB in the NFL. And, and maybe he hasn't had enough talent around him over the years to where you give him someone now like Devonte Adams and some of these other guys. And, and, and maybe that elevates his game. So uh, it would be hard for Devontae to continue to put up the numbers that he had with Aaron Rodgers. But I, I don't see a, a precipitous drop-off for sure. Who won the quarterback carousel? Which team? Man, um, that, that one, I'd have to say Russell Wilson going to the Denver Broncos really positions them nicely, John. Uh, I think that Russell Wilson's a guy who – has proven he's a franchise quarterback. He's a, a winner uh, every year. He's either been to the playoffs or had a double-digit win season, but this last one where he finally um, missed some games due to injury, and he came back too fast. He's acknowledged that. I spoke to him during the season. I spoke to him after the season. He wanted to come back as quickly as possible, and I think him doing that, uh, he wasn't as healthy and, and, and able to go out there and make the throws, grip the football, everything else. But now he goes to a team that's got receivers. Um, they, they, they have weapons around him. Um, they haven't been in the playoffs now since winning that Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. And I think what Russell does is, is he brings them the ability to be extremely competitive right away. I don't think Russ is going to go there and become the third straight quarterback to join a new team and win a Super Bowl in his first year, like Stafford did last year and Brady the year prior. But what I think he can do in Denver is take them there and get over the hump and get them into the playoffs um, and maybe set them up nicely to where they can make a run at the Super Bowl in his second or third year with the Broncos. He also didn't go there and get a ridiculous new contract yet that could prevent them from signing other guys like Aaron got a ton of money and that factored into Devontae not being able to come back for sure. So uh, I think Russ is going to have a major impact on the Denver Broncos. And, and I, they're in a, they're, he's in, though, the best division in, the, in uh, the NFL, in that AFC West. They're loaded. They're stacked top to bottom. So it's going to be really fun to see how that division plays out. Rob Body here on Sports Talk Chicago. Rob, let's talk some Bears now. What was your reaction to their hirings at head coach and GM? I was a little surprised with Matt Eberflus, right? Uh, I thought the trend in the NFL was um, under age 50 offensive-minded head coaches, right? And he's a little bit above that. He's, what, 52 or 53, but he's a defensive coordinator. And um, you go from an offensive-minded guy in Matt Nagy, who they had some early success with, to now a defensive-minded head coach. And that doesn't mean they're not going to be successful on offense. And obviously they were grooming Justin Fields to be the quarterback and, and he will step into that role this year. But uh, I, I think there was a little bit of, of surprise for me there because it didn't fit the mold of what the NFL was doing. The trend of what the NFL doesn't mean he can't be successful there. And uh, they, they don't have a first round pick. We know that they trade Khalil Mack, they get a second round pick and uh, they they've made some, they haven't made any major huge 
splash signings, but they've supplemented the roster uh, somewhat nicely. They're, they're also in a division where the Packers, I know Devontae's not there anymore, but as long as Aaron Rodgers is under center, it's, it's the Packers division. They're the team to beat. But the Lions are still a rebuilding team that's a long way off. And I don't know what the Vikings are going to be this year. They also have uh, a new head coach, and, and they certainly have the edge at quarterback with Kirk Cousins. But, but I think the Bears are, are they're in that. We know they're in that rebuild. They're not quite at a retool. I think retooling teams are teams that are playoff teams or on the edge of, and they're just trying to get a little bit better. They're in, they're in a major – they're in a rebuild, and they got a new GM. They got a new head coach. They got a, a quarterback who they invested in, who they think can be a franchise guy. And it, this year for them is going to be all about finding out what they have in Justin Fields. Because if they can, if, if Justin Fields can prove to be what they thought they were getting, and he is the future, and he is that franchise quarterback, then I think this year, John, is a success for the Bears, even if they're 6-11, and 11, even if they're 7-10, and 10, or whatever losing record they end up with, as long as you know he is the guy. What's your evaluation of Justin Fields personally? It's a great question because I don't think I saw enough of him. I don't think any of us really saw enough of Justin to be able to say definitively one way or another that he is going to be the answer. I know he's got a ton of talent. He's got a ton of ability. I don't think um, Matt Nagy's offense last year uh, did him any favors. (laughs) He he was certainly – I I saw – I guess it was a report. I don't know if it was from Justin or from someone close to him saying he wasn't exactly happy with the game plan for his first (laughs) NFL start. Well, I don't think anybody could have been too happy with the game plan for his first NFL start. So it's going to be up to one. He's got to put in the work. He's got to put in the time. And there's no reason to believe that he won't put in that time, put in that work and and be the guy who who, his first, you know, we always hear right. First one in, last one out. There's some. Some guys can have that success and they're not necessarily first one in, last one out. But uh, surrounding him with the right talent and, and building a system, I think, that can cater to his skill set and maximize his abilities is going to be crucial to their success. And, and when you look at teams and some coaches come in with a game plan and a scheme and they say, this is how we're going to do it. You guys have to fit into my scheme. I think it's imperative when you have a guy that's talented with the playmaking ability that Justin Fields has, you build a system and a scheme around his talents and around his ability. So uh, I'm going to be very interested to see how that plays out in Chicago uh, this first season. How much did his turnover numbers concern you? I think anytime guys turn the ball over, that's got to be something that you watch out for. Um, That's something that um, can be a constant and it can be consistent. There are quarterbacks who are sloppy with the ball. Um, They, they, they just don't hold, they, they're they're very susceptible to fumbles when they strip sacks or or they hold the ball loosely when they go out there. Um, Then there, there are guys who are always going to be daring, right? They're always going to put the ball uh, in, in traffic or make throws that they think they can make, but, aren't necessarily um, the best throw to attempt at that time. I think you can grow out of that. There, there are, with the right coaching, the right mindset, um, the people around him helping him um, and, and, and learn not just the intricacies of the quarterback position, 
but how to protect the ball, how to live to play another down. Hey, you know what? You don't have to get it all on this first down or second down, or even if it's third down, John, it's okay to punt. I hear this so often from defensive players. There are a lot of defensive players who tell me we want our quarterback to understand that a punt is okay because we didn't turn the ball over in plus field position now to the other team's offense. As a young quarterback, I think these are things that he can continue to learn uh, with his new quarterbacks coach, with his new offensive coordinator, uh, with the new coaching staff around him, and they can impress upon him these skills uh, and, the, and the need to be able to protect the football. A lot of times that is the most important, uh, that, that's number one priority with a young quarterback make sure he understands don't lose us this football game we may win it later but don't go out there and lose it in the first or second quarter trying to do too much why do you think that happened to fields i mean he had seven touchdowns 10 picks 11 fumbles co-led the league in fumbles is there is that something on him is that the offensive line why, why do you think it happened well, we know their offensive line, right? There were some issues there last year, and they've taken some steps to try and improve uh, up front. But if a quarterback, one, if you're as young and as inexperienced as he is, and and you're rushed and you're you're constantly under pressure and you don't feel comfortable in the pocket, and now you're you're trying you're you're leaving the pocket and you're going out and you're trying to create plays with your legs on the run with your arm, all of that, right? All of that adds up, and, and one of the one of the big um, points that coaches often make whenever they turn ball turn the ball over, or even when quarterbacks take a lot of sacks, they always say, "Hey, it's not always the quarterback not releasing the ball quickly enough." One, it could be on the offensive line too. It could also be on the receivers not running the right route, not being open. So it, everyone really, you know, they share a little bit of that. They share a little bit of the blame when it comes to these things. I, I think there are certainly a lot of aspects of Justin's game where he's got to be able to step it up and improve. And uh, he, 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 didn't, he didn't have enough time on the field last year and enough experience out there to be able to judge him fairly or say one way or another that he's always going to be turnover prone. I, I'm not going to say that right now. I don't, I don't think that's fair to him. I, I want to see what he can do when he goes into, right, John, he didn't even go into the all, uh, all of the offseason workouts last year as the number one quarterback. He, he didn't get all those reps with the first team. And, and as bad as the Bears were as a football team, not getting those reps with the first team and getting those reps with the second and the third just tells you uh, he's got a long way to go to catch up to, to make sure he's NFL ready right now. Did they do the right thing, the Bears, in wanting or intending to sit him all year, but then putting him in when they needed him? You know, I, I thought that they they maybe waited too long on him. I know there was a lot of criticism uh, as far as what they got. I, I know that they had made the commitment uh, early on, right, to Andy Dalton. And uh, I, I feel like there's two ways to look at it. Some young guys are able to go out there, suffer uh, all the lumps and the bruises and take the hits and, and, and the interceptions and the losses and they pile up. And some guys are able to handle that. They're able to learn from it. They're able to brush it off. I don't know Justin well enough to be able to say which category he fits in. Is he the guy who's going to let those losses that pile up 
those sacks, those interceptions, those fumbles, and that negativity that surrounds all that, would he allow that to carry over? Would that then become part of his identity is I'm on a losing team. I'm a very, I'm a struggling quarterback. And how does that carry over? So I think they had to make that evaluation. And, and that one for me is important to determine, like you got to, for as talented as a player is, his psyche, uh, his mental well-being uh, is very important because a lot of struggles early on can bring guys down in year two and year three. So uh, I would have liked to see him play more because when you're on a losing team and you're not going anywhere, it's easy to say, hey, we got to seize as much as we can from this guy. But if they made that determination based on what they think he could handle early on, then uh, I could give him a pass there. What do you think of the Ian Cunningham addition to a former Philly guy? Oh man. Uh, I, I, I think that that's something that they, they gotta, they gotta uh, really look at and, and see how they, they can help um, with what they're doing uh, on that, on that, on this team. And uh, Ian is, is a, I don't even, when you go back to his time in Philadelphia, I don't really remember uh, how much time he, he spent there and, and, and what he did uh, with, with them uh, as far as in that front office, but he's considered, right. He's considered a guy who is a rising star, John, he's considered Philly's known. Philly has been known with Howie Roseman as much criticism as he gets to the joke in Philly is a GM factory, Andrew Barry, Joe Douglas, uh, Catherine Ritchie got an interview. Um, and, and then you look at Ian and, what was his stamp in Philadelphia? We didn't necessarily know exactly what was he responsible for. Was there somebody that he was fighting for to bring in? Did he do this? But when you're coming from an organization that's had success, when you're coming from an organization that's had guys around you, the the Howie Rosemans, the Joe Douglases, the Andrew Berries, and, and other people that other teams are valuing, that other teams want to bring in, and even if they're not hiring them, but pick their brain, right? Now it, it means that you're, you're coming from a winning culture. And even though Philly had a losing season two years ago, four out of the last five, they've been to the playoffs and they had a Super Bowl to show for it. There's a winning environment that he's coming from. And I think that's going to be important for, for the Bears when as they're rebuilding the way they are to try and uh, really turn this, uh, turn this roster over turn this team into one that can have success going forward. How long do you think it takes for the Bears? I don't think it's a one-year rebuild. Uh, I think that the Bears are in a position where um, there's, a, there's a ways to go. They're in a, a division that may allow for them to have success sooner rather than later outside of the Packers. Uh, I don't have a lot of faith or confidence in the Detroit Lions. I don't think anybody does. I don't have a lot of faith and confidence right now in the Minnesota Vikings ability to be more than uh, an eight, nine win team. So uh, outside of the, the two games, they'll play the Packers in division. They're, they're, they'll have a shot, but I, I think they're at least a two year window away from being some, uh, a legitimate playoff team. And um, if they can make strides this year, if they can show that, Hey, Justin is the answer at quarterback. And um, even if it's not necessarily translated into W's, but it's translated into um, 
some some positive feelings, the turnover of the roster, the culture building, uh, the, the the chemistry getting to where they can have that kind of mentality going forward. We're building something here. We have something special in this building. And maybe next year and the year after that they could be competitive enough to field a playoff team. More to come with Rob Body in just a moment. Stay tuned. Vincennes, Sports Talk Chicago. Rob Body still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Rob, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, Faith on the Field, how's it been going? Faith on the Field's doing very well, uh, John. I appreciate the, the question about that. We are now in eight markets on eight radio stations across the country. Had some really cool guests this year from uh, Russell Wilson, Brian Dawkins, Hall of Famer, um, some Jer- Jerome Bettis, Hall of Famer. It's been awesome. Tim Tebow probably hopped on three times this past <laughs> year. So we're in eight different markets on eight different sports stations across the country. We're growing. We're building. The goal is to be in every state and slowly but surely we'll get there and we're hoping for big things we're trying to do some live events more this year now that we're out of the pandemic something that we can do is bring uh, a live event to whether it's a church a, a conference center whatever it may be just show people a little bit more of what faith on the field's all about how'd the show start up like what got it started uh it was really john out of my my desire to uh my passion is Telling, telling people what God has done in my life and, and sharing where I was, where I am now, the peace that I have in my heart from knowing my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, building that relationship. I often talk about I used to be a fan of Christ. I became a follower and then I graduated into a disciple. And as a disciple of the Lord, I just want to share the good news and let everybody know, hey, I know that this is a tough world. I know that there's a lot of negativity surrounding us. I know there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of uh, stuff outside of our control. But I I find my peace and joy in the Lord. And and that's how I I don't measure myself on on my follows, on my likes, on my clicks, on any of that stuff, on my identity is not in what I do for a living. My identity is in who uh, created me and who gave his life for me. And, and I think as, as we go through mental health has become really difficult topic for a lot of people. It's one that more, more and more we are opening up about it. And, and, and I feel like uh, it's something that I hope, I hope and pray that more people will find that peace that they can get through Christ. I know I would never tell someone not to, to go and, and pursue any kind of clinical help, uh, any kind of, of doctor, and, and uh, any of that. I think that's very important, but I think there's also an answer that too often we don't let people know that the answer is Jesus Christ, and, and that's a way that they can go to find that peace and that joy, that real peace and that real joy that doesn't come with wealth and fame and glory and everything else, because so many times those those people that we look at and say, hey, they got it all, in the end, they, 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 don't, they have a void. They, they feel empty. Rob, before we finish up today, last question, what's the most powerful testament or most powerful story you've heard on, on the program? 
Um, John, that's there's been so many different ones. I'll just point to one that's most recent because of what we just spoke about and, and what has been transpiring a lot is Brian Dawkins, who is a Hall of Fame football player with the Eagles and the Denver Broncos. And early on in his career, through so many pressures and so much that was on his plate, he had anxiety, he had depression, he had suicidal thoughts, and, and he was able to overcome all of that. And he'll tell you that, yes, he did go out there, like I said earlier, made sure that he got some help clinically, but he also was able to uh, turn it over to the Lord. He said for a period of time early in his career, when he was going through that, he just shut himself off from everything in the outside world, movies, um, radio, um, music, any kind of negative possible influences that weren't from God, that wasn't from the Lord, he would shut himself off from that. And that was how he was able to battle, overcome these demons, overcome these issues. So um, we did an event together in March. We went up north to uh, the Philly area and spoke to some students who have been going through some of these issues. And I thought it was a very powerful, powerful testimony that Brian shared and is one that's much needed now, especially in this age that we live in. Rob, thank you so much for joining me. Always appreciate your insights on football and Jesus Christ, our Lord. Really appreciate the time as always. John, thank you, and uh, keep uh, keep up with what you're doing. Great work, and I wish you a ton of blessings in everything, in all your endeavors, my man. All right, talk there with Rob Body, and that'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Rob Body himself, Matt Dubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTolvin, to Marlboro Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook. John Zaglul, you're going to watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes with tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone. No! No! Where are the turtles?